Well, welcome back into the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. My name is Austin, and I'm one of the hosts here. This is a place where me and my co-host, Steven, get to talk about some of the questions that have really plagued us in our short lives thus far. On today's episode, we're talking about this idea of shame and grace and how the two are connected. Specifically, what happens in our lives when we have these mountaintop experiences And then fast forward a few weeks or a few months and we just don't feel that same feeling again. Does that mean that God has left or that God has changed his mind about us? Or does that mean that we've somehow got to earn our way back into right standing with God to recapture that same fire that we once had? Stephen and I talk about all this and more on today's episodes, and we would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your questions about what we have to say here. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation on the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. Oh, how are you, man? <laughs> I love how you just start with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. How are Actually, though, how are you? Like actually, yeah. Like actually, good. Unless you're unless you're comfortable lying while being recorded. <laughs> you think you could pass a polygraph? Do I think I could pass a polygraph? Like if you're if 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 it was really like a dire situation where you needed to pass a polygraph, you think you could? Honestly, no. I'm a horrible liar. Really? Yeah, I can't. I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess you. that's true. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> no, when I, I just, I let me put it this way. When I lie, I have a terrible poker face. So you can very clearly tell, okay, something's something's up. Got you. He's lying about lying? <laughs> it's like the office. I'm the a enemy, huge narcissist. <laughs> enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> But they're also, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, an HGTV. You know, everybody prioritizes the rustic stuff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's just um, it's a, like it's like distressed wood. You know what I mean? But the <laughs> podcast form of distressed wood. We j- recently got YouTube TV. Yeah. And Julia could not be. Julia's my wife. She could not be happier that now we have HGTV. Yeah. And so there was a few days where she just turned on like House Hunters, and I. There was like a silent rage in me. You know what I mean? That's like, oh God, what are why? We doing? Why a silent rage? Because it's just, I hate that show. You know, what I mean? like I hate it. Like, <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, like we watched it, whatever. And yeah. I was like, fine, because she doesn't like to watch the you know like action movies, which makes sense mm-hmm. because they're violent or whatever. And um, usually the plot's not that great. But like you can tell, especially some of the older episodes of House Hunters, like the reruns, it's like these people have never been on camera before. So every conversation they have is very, very rehearsed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which makes sense <laughs> if you've never been on camera before. But it's like, hey, do you want to go check out this house? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, what are we doing here? Just like be be normal. You know what I mean? I, I want you to know that the uh, the creators of House Hunter are avid listeners of Young Dumb and Trying. So? <laughs> yes, yes. Also, I talked to my mom, um, and she she didn't. How do you say that without using without using a double negative? 
I'm not sure how to. So I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah. She didn't not like the podcast because we use big words. Okay. It's like the first few topics that we talked about. She just wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't. In. She wasn't feeling it. So she thought we were boring, essentially. So um, I've gone Thank to counseling, you. yeah, about that, and um, going to counseling. Now we're just gonna talk about my fitness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so we um, here at Bay Hope Church are, just came off of a week long student camp called Riot, mm-hmm. which is an acronym that stands for Reaching Inside and Outside of Tampa Bay. And uh, the thing that sets Riot apart from other church camps is that it's not just um, a camp where we go and play games, which we do, but it's not a camp where we go play games or um, have, you know, dramas and uh, like other camp activities where like the goal of the camp is just to have fun for as long as possible. Actually, essentially from like nine to five every day, uh, the students go out into the different um, parts of our community, mm-hmm. th- whether that's like downtown or whether that's into um, some some group homes, some special needs living facilities yep. or, or day facilities, uh, metro ministry, metropolitan ministries, a few other mission partners we have, and they serve the community mm-hmm. um, in a bunch, of, a lot of public schools yep. um, that have they're in 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 in, in populations with low socioeconomic status and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so they go into those places and they, they serve however uh, they can. And that's what they do during the day. And at nighttime, we obviously we do the camp stuff. We play games and right. have skits and like do the whole deal with worship services and messages and all that stuff. And um, something that happens every year uh, at church camp to begin with, but especially in a church camp like, like Riot, and this is the, which, which is why I love Riot so much is that in the act of, uh, acting like Jesus, you begin to get to know Jesus and, um, you, you meet him and more often than not, what happens at riot is a line in the sand moment for a lot of students, for a lot of people that kind of sets them on the, uh, on a new trajectory Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. It was was that, that way for me, it was like that way for a lot of, um, some other, some other boys that I would would call my best friends now. It was like that way for my wife, my little sister, my probably future brother-in-law, mm-hmm. knock on wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, right, right is a, is a huge deal or it can be. Mm-hmm. And something that happens so often in the church camp space yeah. is that, uh, especially in students, because of this week long concentrated discipleship journey that they're going on yeah they they have this desire to like recommit their lives to the lord Mm. but sometimes it's rooted in the wrong things Mm. right um and so they feel like they what do you what do you mean by like rooted in the wrong things so they so they have a desire to recommit their lives to the lord if they have done so already in the past which is a great thing but all the oftentimes it doesn't come from um a place of having a newfound love for the Lord, it comes from make it like a shame and a, mm. uh, that like, I'm not living how I am now mm. okay. at camp yeah. all the time, or I wasn't at least a month uh, ago, something okay, like okay. that. Does that so, make sense? So like the camp atmosphere, we, it's, it's like this condensed form of like ministry and yeah. a life lived in one direction towards Jesus yes. that when camp ends, people often think, oh no, well, there's something wrong with me. Is that, is that kind of, yeah. 
Yeah, they they think that. Uh, well, it's it's when camp ends, they think something's wrong with me, or like before camp, when when you're at camp and you think about who you were two weeks ago before you got here, you're saying there's this discrepancy there, and because there's this discrepancy there, like I need to uh, have this super emotional moment at camp, or I need to rededicate uh, my life, gotcha, or I gotcha. need to get baptized again, or I need to do all those things, and there is merit. Mm-hmm. to all of those things because there obviously is transformative experiences that happen. Right. However, um, I think so oftentimes in the Christian journey, shame, guilt, condemnation, they, uh, they trick us into thinking that we have to jump through some additional hoops. Yeah. Um, that we have to check off a few additional boxes in order mm-hmm. to, uh, earn right standing with the Lord mm-hmm. after we've already accepted the free gift of salvation. Right. And so, um, to me, that makes me think of a few verses, uh, in, I think it's second Corinthians, the, uh, for he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become righteous. Yep. And then, um, also the, I think it is, I, I always thought it was new Testament, but I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that his mercies are new every day. Mercies are new every morning. Yeah, that's in uh, Lamentations, I think, of all books. Which right? Is, yeah, it's it's very funny that that's, because uh, it's a very... Encouraging verse. Yeah, and it's a very frequently quoted passage. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's from Lamentations. So if I say his mercies are new every morning, and then if I also, not that those, I don't think directly, I mean, they can, obviously, because the Bible's the Bible. But if I, if I, because those are the two ideas that pop in my head. So if I ask you the question, how are those things connected to uh, me not needing essentially to have these, for lack of a better term, come to Jesus moments every yeah. time I'm in a, a camp scenario, uh, that, that his mercy is new every morning and that because he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become righteous. Right. Uh, how, are the, how do those two ideas solve to, or seek to solve the problem that like I just talked about. Well, I think it's it's an interesting kind of thing that you brought up and that it's an interesting angle and that's why we're talking about this because it it not only I it yes most frequently occurs in youth group and especially sure. like the mountaintop experiences but I think it applies even beyond that. Yeah, at a micro level probably in everyday life of the everyday Christian. Right, right. Yeah. And so I think it comes from Initially, when you were talking, what came to my head was the, I guess, the presupposition that we're entering this discussion with. We're assuming that life is going to be on a a horizontal plane, right? Or at least a horizontal plane that points up and to the right. Yeah. Problem is, life isn't always like that. Right. Life may run horizontally, but there is a lot of up and downs in between that. Sure, sure. So when we especially like seeing the students and being involved in camp, what I saw is, yeah, they were, they're on fire. They had a great emotional experience. Yeah, that's awesome. But in the back of their mind, they're not really thinking about, oh, okay, what happens when camp ends? Yeah. And when stuff starts to go haywire and I just don't know what to do or the problems that I faced before this, this line in the sand moment, the stake in the ground moment, come back. Because yeah. they always do. And I think connecting that idea it it really gets to i would say the issue of core beliefs 
Okay. Yeah. And by core beliefs, I mean what I believe in my heart, truly believe about who I am Mm. and about who God is. Because if we go in with the core belief, and I've wrestled with this, and I I would say I still wrestle with this. um, If I believe that I'm just not good enough, I'm always going to be subconsciously working and working and working to try to prove and try to do something different or try to recommit in a greater way than I did before. Right. Right. When we go into it with we like we have to analyze our core beliefs and we have to go into it knowing and thinking, okay, what do I really believe about who do I actually believe God is who he says he is? Mm. Do I believe, like you said, those two passages that his mercies are new every morning, that Mm -hmm. every day I wake up, that God is right there with me, giving me new mercy. Mm -hmm. And do I really believe that Christ sacrificed himself for me so that I may become the righteousness of God. To me, that's where all, that's what lies beneath the surface of a lot of these mountaintop moments. Sure. Is we have these great encounters and God uses these encounters and these encounters are biblical. But we have to keep these encounters in mind. We have to keep, okay, we have to keep in mind what comes after these. Right. Because we always have to come down off the mountaintop. Yeah. We always, in this life, in, the, in this existence, uh, we there are going to be trials and struggles. Jesus promised it. Uh, it's not that those mountaintop moments don't matter or that the, the trials and tribulations, they minimize the mountaintop moments, but it's the recognition that God's mercy is the same on the mountain as it is in the deepest, darkest valleys. When we feel most alone, God is the same Ooh. up there and down in the valley. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, So you said something cool there. You said, if I am operating from the core belief that I'm not good enough, uh, that I'll always be striving, yeah. essentially. Um, and so, 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 so how do we weigh that tension of knowing that it is by, what's the, I always get them confused, but it's justification by faith through grace? By grace, by grace through, through faith. faith. If I've been justified by grace, mm-hmm. or by, yeah, by grace, um, not by the works if I can't earn it, right? Yeah. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. But I can't operate from the core belief that I'm not good enough because I'm always be striving. Right. How do I manage that tension? How do you, well, I mean, you can answer the question, how yeah. do you manage that tension? Or how would you advise someone to manage that tension? Right. Well, I think <laughs> the literary nerd in me goes to what is grace and what is faith. And, and it's analyzing what those two concepts are. And those are two very multifaceted concepts that have that. I mean, scholars have written books and dissertations on mm-hmm. simply grace just means gift in, in the New Testament, oh, speci- cool. in the New Testament specifically, it, it's a gift. Yeah. Right. And it's a gift. Not that uh, when we think of gift today, we think of something with um, I don't want to say no strings attached, but we think of it like. If you try to do something for the gift, then it's not a gift, right? That's not really how gifts worked in the ancient world. Gifts in the ancient world work at like the quality of the gift given. I guess it has something, it, it has worth and it, I guess it, it doesn't demand striving, but it demands a response. Does that make sense? Yeah. You have to say that one more time. Yeah. So the gift, it's not like we don't just get it and then do whatever we want with it. It's like, it's a purposeful gift, right? 
it's like a gift you can actually use. It's like, sure. I mean, people don't like this example, but like growing up w around Christmas time, I got like to toothbrush, I got oh, toothbrushes, and yeah, and like that in my stocking. Yeah. And like that wasn't great, but like that's a gift that kind of demanded can... a response, right? right it demanded right. it to be put into action. Sure. That's more of the gift concept. That's more of the grace concept. So right? grace is a gift that in order to, you have to use it in order to, in, uh, in order for it to fulfill its purpose. Right. Is that what right. you're saying? To, to fully experience grace, grace, this gift, especially when we're talking about God's grace, it, it's going to require transformation, right? Or not require, but it's going to produce transformation. Ooh. Right. Okay, so okay, before it produces transformation, though, how do I, how do what's the first step? The first step. Oh, okay, and that that gets to the second half of it. Faith, right? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now out, we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> uh, so the the faith idea, it's not this idea of mental assent, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. It's not the idea of just like checking off a box of like I believe this, I believe that. Like, okay, faith. Mm -hmm. No, faith is so much deeper than that. And we're, we're talking about this idea of core beliefs. Yeah. That's what faith is, right? We all faith. have faith in something. You and I have faith. You're, you and I are, are exercising faith right now. Faith that the microphones are going to work. Faith that th these chairs are going to hold us up. Sure. So faith, it's just a matter of pointing faith in the right direction, right? It's a matter of trusting and believing that God is who he says he is and, and acting on that knowledge, right? So faith is believing in something enough that it so, so much so that it influences your actions. Yes, yes, I love that. So the and let's go back to the the by grace through faith idea, right? When we follow Jesus, we cannot do it in and of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is important to say, and that is something that is a staple component of the Christian belief system: is that we in ourselves are not good enough. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be able to fix the problem ourselves. Yeah, right. It requires something deeper. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look back, you can talk about the continuity between the Old and the New Testament when God said uh, through, was it Jeremiah? I think it was through the prophet Jeremiah, my law is going to be in you. It's not, and my spirit is not going to be on you, but it's going to be within you, right? Mm -hmm. Because transformation starts from the inside. Mm -hmm. um, that That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about saying, okay, God's given me this gift, so I have to respond in my own strength. No, 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 that's not it. It's saying that God gave of himself as a sacrifice for you as a person. And that's a high calling. Mm -hmm. It means that he saw value in you. Yeah. That you are made in his image. Like you were talking about that the, the first night of riot is from Genesis 1, we can see that we are made in God, God's image. We are worth the greatest of sacrifices. And so it's by it's receiving that. It's believing that God is who he says he is. And it's our response to that through God's grace. Is that clear, or is that kind of kind of weird and confusing? No, it's not weird and confusing. But I think um, I want to hear you say, if you if it's possible, you mm -hmm. said it's not that God gives me a gift and then I have to respond to it. Mm -hmm. It's that God gives you, and then can you say in the same way? in like the same rhythm almost, an answer? You mean God gives me a gift, right? Right. And it, it is a response in a sense, yeah. Like right. we do respond to it, but we are now, it's, it, the response is not something we do. 
It's just simply this. It's surrender. Oh. Yeah, that may, that's probably a little bit more clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not something we do because we're not earning it. Because again, that gets into that gets into wages, right? Mm-hmm. That gets into okay. Well, it's a it's a reciprocal action. Like I'm doing something, so you give me something. That's not right. it. that's not the concept of the gift. Right. Um, the gift in the ancient world is just a response. So uh, you could say like it, it's receiving the gift, especially the gift. You could say the gift of God's grace. So through the the sacrifice of Jesus that changes us, yeah. right? And we believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God lives within us. Mm-hmm. And that requires a response. And what is our response? Okay, I can't do it myself. And I'm going to trust that what you say is enough. I'm yeah. going to trust that what you're doing is enough. Even when I can't see it, even when I don't feel it, I'm trusting that this, that you are enough. Mm-hmm. And that through that faith, and it's not just, okay, I believe the right things, but it's acting like it's true. Right. Right? It's like, okay, I'm going to live my life away like this is true. Right? I'm going to act like it's true. To use the chair analogy, like I'm going to lean back. I'm going to gonna move around because I know that the chair is going to hold me up. In, a sa- in the same way, that's how we live our lives as Christians. We live our lives a certain way because we're confident that what God says is, is right. Right. What God says is best because right. he knows all things. And that the way that we live or the way that Jesus lives shows us what true humanity actually is in its cool. fullest state. So it's not, so, so it's God gives you grace. It's, uh, it's not that God, God gives you grace and then demands that you pay him back for it. Nope. That's not Which it. Which it, it's that God gives you grace and then demands that you enjoy it. Right. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a funny way. Uh, uh, when you say the word grace in that uh, figure of speech, the first one doesn't make sense because it's grace. <laughs> um, but if you say a gift, God gives you a, gr- a gift and it not, doesn't demand that you pay him back for it. He gives you a gift and then demands. I guess it's weird to demand that you enjoy yeah. it, but I guess he does demand that we enjoy it. Um, so but, then, but like, what does it mean to enjoy the gift? Sure. It so mean, what does it mean to enjoy the gift? And, and it, practically speaking, if you have to answer that question. I would say it's... Um, I mean, we, we say it as Christians, follow Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Live the life that Jesus did. It's that sacrificial life. Yeah. Because we know that uh, the most joy-filled people, and I mean, you can even see this outside of the church. The most joy-filled people, the most uh, fulfilled people are the ones that aren't just hoarding things and are isolated, right? Mm-hmm. But they're the ones that give freely. Yeah. And, and love freely. Like, they, like, for example, at Riot, right? Those kids go out and they actually embody the love of Jesus by helping and serving others right. who, who, who need something, who, who, yeah. who are, for whatever reason, incapable of doing something themselves. Right? Sure. And by emptying, em- emptying of themselves and filling other people up, they right. are in turn filled up more so than they've probably ever been before. Right. And you see, that is what I think it means to enjoy God's grace because that's when God's grace becomes a reality, mm. becomes something we're dependent on yeah. because we're not going to be strong enough. We're not right. going to be, there are going to be times when it's really, really difficult to follow Jesus. And that's when we have the, the shocking awareness that, hey, I can't do this myself. I need, like, I need the Spirit's power within me, empowering me to go forward and empowering me to to live the abundant life it's it's only and always by god's power that 
salvation or grace is fully enjoyed. And I think that's a distinction that like it directly connects back to what we're talking about with this camp idea. It's like this need for striving. Okay. Mm. Well, I had this great experience. Um, it's so easy to look at an experience like that and say, Oh, well, I have to keep it up. Yeah. It's it's like, no, that's not that that's missing the point. That's that's taking the control back, right? Yeah. yeah. That's not that's not opening your hands and saying, Father, I surrender. Um, do do with my life what you will. That's like, oh well, I have to do this, this, and this now, mm-hmm. and and that's that's when it becomes a burden, and that's when I think a lot of people get discouraged because they're like, it was so easy at camp. Yeah, it's like camp is not real life. <laughs> <laughs> so so then, um, to the not necessarily just the high school or whatever, but but to the person that sees themselves. Uh, looking back on a spiritual experience mm-hmm. and an experience where they felt like they were truly in the presence of the Lord and um, they look at their lives now and they say that there's something is missing. Um, what do, what is the correct, I guess, yeah, in the valley, whatever, if we're going to come off, because yeah. everybody has to come down off the mountain. If we're in the valley, what's the correct response um, uh, that is, different from somebody essentially getting saved all over again Mm. or receiving salvation all over again because theoretically right if new if mercies are new every morning Mm -hmm. then every morning i receive salvation that god has given me right Um, right so it's not that every spiritual experience demands that i rededicate my life to the lord no it's 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 so and if it's not that tell me what it is yeah, I think especially when we feel the furthest away from God, we have to, the first thing I would say is remember who God is. Mm. Remember that when even when we are unfaithful or even when we are alone, God is still faithful. We have to remind ourselves of that. And what's the best way that God's people have sought to remind themselves of God's faithfulness over the many, many years? writing it down writing down what he did it's what the bible is yeah you think about it it's yeah it's how god has been faithful in the past that informs the way we live in the present and gives us hope for the future whoa say that again <laughs> it's the the biblical record is a record of what god did in the past that informs how we live in the present and gives us hope for what's to come in the future Ooh. did you come up with that <laughs> i i think so <laughs> Dude, that's good. I may have read it somewhere, but um, that's 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 the biblical story, and and that that makes the biblical story abundantly more real because because hey, it's we see that that God's God's presence is a lot closer to us than we actually think. Right. We we oftentimes forget that because we get so focused on the circumstances, or we do comparative uh, analysis in our heads of oh well, I felt this way during this experience and. I feel this way now when they're different. And that means God has changed. No, God hasn't changed. Yeah. I, I'm the one who's right, changed. Right. Um, like the circumstances around me have changed. Right. And so, yeah. Right. And so when we find ourselves in this place of kind of despair, you could say despair and to use the, um, I guess, landscape analogy, uh, when we find ourselves in the valley and when like, you know, things just, the things that we used to do, that gave us life and joy don't give us life and joy anymore. Right. Sometimes it requires uh, 
sometimes it requires like just keep going. Yeah. Just yeah. keep like keep reminding yourself of God's faithfulness and that God is here. God is not far away. God is God is right here with us. But sometimes it requires like shifting things up. Sure. Right. So uh and and the best way to do that is to be around people who who are there with you, right? Who can say and to help you discern like, hey, maybe maybe that's not working, try this. Or maybe um or like, yeah, I just I need you to help me keep going. Does that does that make sense? I, yeah. I'd say like that's the the starting point. That's that's the that's the process of turning. Mm-hmm. It's tur- it's learning to turn not to ourselves and collapse inward, but it's learning to to turn to God. Yeah. And it's learning to see him more as our strength. Right. And our hope and our peace. And by doing so, that's the process of surrender. Right. Right. And so I think what uh what happens for the what happens for, you know, people that are young in their faith, um, or maybe people that have uh not been super active, right? I think they often find themselves in this place where the spiritual experience reveals, or a, 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 which rightfully so, a moment in the presence of God reveals um, that they are not what they could be, not what they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes what comes from that initially, I think is conviction, but then that conviction probably gives way to shame. Mm, yeah, right? Yeah. And so what is the correct response when I find myself uh, less than when compared to the glory of God that I'm experiencing in a supernatural moment? Yeah. I would say it goes back to, hey, you really just got to attack the core beliefs, right? Yeah. And remember that God's, it's, it's God's kindness that leads us to, to transformation. Come right? on, yeah. It's not, God is, a lot of people have this this perception of God and through some isolated, not isolated, some passages taken on their own account in mm-hmm. the Old Testament, they say that God is mean, God is angry, God is vengeful, God is wrathful. Those are expressions of God's justice and mercy. Right. Um, because who is God getting mad and angry at in, in the Old Testament? It's the people who are oppressing other people yeah people who are being selfish who are being prideful right who are thinking that they can do it all themselves right when god has said no it's you can't do it all yourself right and that's okay yeah because living in communion and relationship with me is enough right I promise you <laughs> that's that's what god says yeah um so when when i guess guilt and, or conviction starts to give way to guilt and to shame, we have to remind ourselves of, of that truth, that God is not some angry big giant up in heaven waiting to beat us over the head when right. we do something wrong. Right. God's mercy and God's grace always leads us to, to joy, to ultimate joy and peace. That might mean pain in the present. It might mean the, the loss of relationship. It might mean sure. the... It might mean just physical pain in the present but it doesn't mean that god is angry with you or god is punishing you yeah because god's character towards you and we see this most fully in jesus god's character towards us is compassion and god promises to be faithful and compassionate to us even when we are not faithful and compassionate to him 
Now, that's not a justification to just go do whatever we want, right? We're talking right. about this, this transformative grace, this gift that we receive that enables us now to respond to God. Mm. I would say when, when, when guilt and shame start to overwhelm us and we start to think and believe the lies that, you know, we're not good enough, that if I were only this, this, and this, that God would love me more, or that uh, if only I did this different at camp, then this, the experience would have lasted. Or if I would have done this at that point, then it would have lasted. It's like, no, that's, that's not it. Because again, you're operating from the presupposition that you're bad, you're flawed, and that you have to do something to, to work back and to regain right. that favor. Right. When God, if we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God is closer and more present than we probably even realize, then we're we're gonna and if we really really believe that let that sink down into our hearts and and let it consume our minds then we're gonna live differently right that when the the feelings of guilt and shame come that they're not going to be so paralyzing Mm. but that we realize you know what yeah like i'm not where i i could be Mm -hmm. i'm not i may not be living in the fullness that god wants me to live in right now yeah but god i know that you're with me yeah and I know that it's all good things don't happen instantaneously right. as much as we would like them to. Right. So it's the process. So the beauty of it that I see is that that transformation, or you could use the big theological word for it, sanctification, um, it's a process. And God is with us in that process. Yeah. No matter how... Um, no matter how ugly we may think it looks, or no matter how ugly we may feel, God is always the same, and God is right there with us. Does that, does that answer? No, it absolutely does answer the question. Mm-hmm. Something I tell the students all the time is that, uh, and I can't remember where I heard it. I know I, it's definitely in a song by House Fires, mm-hmm. but I can't remember the song's name. So I'll find it. Not helpful. <laughs> uh, but it talks, the, the, one of the lyrics is that uh, if, if you bring conviction, then like I will welcome it because it shows me how I can change. Yeah. So conviction is a gift that, that God gives us to, uh, tr- to show us how we can re- re- uh, redirect the course that we're on um, or how we can participate in that redirection. Or better said, probably how he we can participate in his redirection of where we're going. Right. Uh, shame is not from the Lord. And um, conviction comes out of from a place of love, mm-hmm. because he wants us to uh, live like he lived, commune and, and live in constant communion with him. Shame is something that convinces us that he is separate yeah. and that he is far away. Right. Um, and I think shame sucks. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Well, and that gets into that. That brings into my mind, I guess, the difference between guilt and shame. Oh. Um. Because guilt, there like there's a certain amount of health for guilt. Yeah, it shows that you are like you're sensitive to <laughs> like oh something isn't right here, right? right? If there's no guilt or at all, like that's a scary yeah, thing. That's a little because good. then th- then you're you're never confronted with the reality of taking accountability for your actions. Right, exactly. So there is a healthy level of guilt. Now, when guilt becomes pervasive and we begin to see it as something 
um, that defines us. Mm. So who am I? I am somebody who's bad, rotten, dirt, like guilty. That's the Lord of all. Every time, dude. I can't I can't not sing it. Every time I hear somebody say Who am, who, yeah, am who am I? And then all of a sudden from the distance, who am I? You know what I mean? Like a dove descending from yeah, the heavens. Yeah, that's what it feels like, right? Uh, good old casting crowns. Uh, <laughs> but but that's in my head, that's that's what I think of is that guilt is something good and something that can be transformative, right? Yeah. It's a step in the right direction. It shows that um Hey, you know what? Like, yeah, I I recognize a we we believe like we say like we trust God that God has the best for us that God, uh, in His presence, as David says, is is the fullness of joy forevermore, mm-hmm. right? That God, uh, that Jesus in Jesus He came to bring us life and life of in all, in all its fullness. If we believe that God knows the the way to the abundant life, the life that's full of joy and peace and and grace. Then, and we know that we have in us an inclination towards evil. Mm. We have a we have a desire, or we have a corruption within us. Like, yeah, there's going to be times where, and that's where conviction comes in, right? Like, this is not the way things are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And God is always, instead of hitting you over the head or hitting you on the hand and saying no, He's always graciously leading you forward yeah. into, into more and more life. Now, if we believe that. And yeah, guilt is not something that should paralyze us or make us feel bad. I mean, and this is something I'm still learning because I am a chronic people pleaser. Um, I cannot stand it when people are upset with me because <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I don't want people to be upset with me. Yeah. Um, but what I've had to learn is that if something happens where I upset someone, all I can do is be open, mm-hmm. be honest, surrender. Even in my in my relationship with the Lord, all I can do is say, "Father, I messed up. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry." Yeah, but I and I and I trust that you are still here and you are still good. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, guilt becomes something really actually that leads to life. It may suck in the moment, but it's something that leads to life. Whereas yeah. shame, again, shame, it's just paralyzing. Right. It's just this idea uh, that you've internalized the guilt and said, that's me. Yeah. I own that. And that's not what God wants from us. Right. That's not the way to to fullness of joy that God promises. It's It, it just simply requires a, t- a turning to God, mm-hmm. a turning from ourselves often in what we think to be right and turning to God and saying, yes, I trust you. Yeah, which to turn to is the root concept of repentance. Yep, exactly. It just means change change of mind mm-hmm. so just turn around mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever i heard judah smith talk about how he gave a message where he was saying you gotta repent it's a 360 degree turnaround uh back to the lord or whatever and then he walked off stage and his mom says hey when you turn 360 degrees you just end up in the same spot that you <laughs> <laughs> he goes oh, oh, oh direction yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, he tells the story in a message but he says but I got it right this time. Repentance is 180 degrees. There it you is. Know, there it the, is. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That that makes sense. And again, I think the most important concept, and, and to tie this back to like specifically mountaintop experiences. Yeah. Um, 
the mountaintop experiences are the ones where we feel the closest to God and where we feel we encounter the profound love of God for us and that we can turn and we can bring our all of our stuff to God and trust that he's faithful, right? Mm. It's a little bit different when um, we get back into a normal rhythm and routine. Right. And uh, life starts back up again. And it becomes a lot more difficult when we when we're not in those mountaintop experiences. And, right. and the solution isn't just to go and live on the mountaintops because that's unrealistic. Sure. Um, and people have tried that throughout the centuries. They've yeah. just isolated. Yeah. They've said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the desert. I'm going to go into the wilderness and just, we're going to do that. Right. That's going to work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Because it's something, something within us, right, that God needs to transform. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, when we realize that, hey, like trouble is going to come no matter where we go, but that God, it remains the same despite our, our circumstances and our situations. That's when I think we can fully experience the true, uh, and we can fully enjoy God's grace and we can truly embody what it means to, to follow Jesus in everything. Couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Young, Dumb, and Trying podcast. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Now, if you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and follow us. Listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.